Welcome to another episode of This Catholic Life, conversations about life's ups and downs, big and small, how we deal with every situation imaginable, whatever life throws at us, but still manage to be sensible, practical, and joyful. Today's show is pop culture, things that are popular in culture, which usually means mass media, and therefore we've brought our two mass media experts together for this special episode. I'm your host, Peter Holmes, and today I'm joined by Ryan Galliott, or Box, as you know him, who is... Oh, I get to be an expert today. (laughs) (laughs) An expert on pop culture, mostly from from a consumer perspective. Yes. Um, (laughs) And also Matthew Tan, lecturer, academic author, and editor of Awkward Asian Theologian blog. Welcome, Matthew. I'm an expert. (laughs) (laughs) In some things. Let's just blandly put it across. We'll use the usual newspaper um, shimmy and say... Uh, Matthew is considered to be an expert in this field, which leaves open the question, who considers you at all? Um, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> all right, pop culture. When we talk about pop culture, we're probably talking about um, mass media, but there's different kinds of pop culture. So are we talking about music? Are we talking about movies? Are we talking about TV? Are we talking about memes? Um, what do you guys think? And if we're talking about pop culture, what does that mean? I think it it refers to that which is uh, the the most highly consumed elements of of the culture that we have today. So movies, TV shows, music, gaming, things that take up our time aside from our professional time. Oh, so you're not allowed to be a professional pop culture. Well, I mean, <laughs> you can, um, but then that, that sort of parallels that talk is, uh, you know, that parallels that talk of <laughs> is is a professional, you know, sportsman really a sportsman? Um, <laughs> oh, oh, that, oh, okay. You've just mentioned esports, Matthew. I wouldn't have put that in pop culture, but I might have put the plot of some of those games in pop culture. So mm-hmm. I don't know. Maybe it's the story I'm looking for in the background. It probably is, a, there's a story element to it. My, when I look at pop culture, I always think about how um, the product of the pop culture comes into being. And I think um, there's a lot of associations between what we take to be pop culture and probably also the means of its production and development. Like usually that comes in some kind of industrial or automated uh, form of production. So there's a sense of artificiality to it as well. Okay. So you can't you can't consider theater to be pop culture in a way, precisely mm. a because mm. it um uh it it you know its its reach is relatively limited, but also I was going to say the, the pop the pop part of pop culture rules out theater because pop stands for popular. You know, that that uh, that's not to say that's not to say that one feeds into the other as well. I mean, that said, that the recent release of Hamilton on Disney Plus is definitely, I think, falls into quite a bit of the char- uh, category of pop culture. Mm. Um, yeah. It's really infused into. Um, I remember the first time I ever really heard about Hamilton was watching some videos from the San Diego Comic Con where all the actors from Arrow just started singing a song from Hamilton um, <laughs> during one of their questionnaires. I guess it goes back to the kind of Andrew Lloyd Webber version of, um, you know, the Phantom of the Opera, the Cats thing, you know, the phenomenon of when mm. it becomes popular, it becomes pop culture, kind of, if it's a popular reference, yeah. if we all have it as a kind of a, a background information or, or the word I used before was background story. 
So if it's part mm. of our background story of our culture, I guess that's one way of putting it. But in terms of music, you have... You talk about pop culture and music. Um, uh, looking through the genres on my Spotify playlist, there's just too many. I mean, there's a category called pop, but it's not really popular. It's just a category mm. now. Um, would you agree with that, that, that pop is no longer popular? It's just pop? It's a genre. Yeah, <laughs> it's a genre. <laughs> it does tend to play. It's a narrow category a now. And I think a lot of it has to mm. do, once again, with the... Um, the whole means of distribution, because when I was growing up, there was no such thing as Spotify. We had to get everything from um, CDs in a CD in a record store. And CDs, in wow! A, oh yeah, <laughs> sorry, <laughs> I'm showing my age, aren't I? <laughs> but in, in a way, the the fact that you had to get your music from things like CDs, um, and then mm. before that, the cassettes, which I also grew up with. Once again, showing my age. Mixtapes. Um, oh, oh, mixtapes. <laughs> oh, that takes me back. <laughs> I'm going to shut up. About, that's, I'm going to shut up about my vinyl collection. So go on. <laughs> <laughs> so, so because of these means of, of of distributing the music, it was actually necessary to um, get them in large enough volumes or sell them in large enough volumes to actually make the money. So there's a, a there's another dimension about pop culture here, which is the fact that it's not simply the the mass consumption, but also the uh, the fact that it actually is meant to cater for as many people as possible to make as much money as possible. So there is there's, a There's a key word there, isn't it? it? Yeah, the yeah. money, the money involved. Some things are popular without money, though. So, for example, or maybe I'm being a bit naive here, but like a meme, a meme is has become part of pop culture. Like some things are just meme worthy. I've even heard that word meme worthy when something mm -hmm. is a, a clever saying or a, or something that's vaguely amusing. It suddenly sweeps the internet, and there's a particular genre of meme, like the, the mm. what is it, the angry cat meme or whatever it is. The grumpy and, cat. But that doesn't. Yeah, the grumpy cat. Whatever it was. Yeah, I obviously I'm up cat. with pop culture. <laughs> but you you get these memes, and mm. I don't know. Are they about money as well? Or are they just about being popular? Well, Grumpy Cat has been monetized, and there is now Grumpy Cat uh, merchandise sold online. Um, so, in a in a manner of speaking, yes, it there is actually um, a monetary side to it. Um, but its popularity what didn't originate in money, though. Its no. popularity didn't originate in money, but it was actually dependent on the channels that uh, do try to make money in order for that that meme to be popular so in, okay. uh, in other words it needed facebook it needed twitter you know all of these are money-making enterprises um for it to work so even though the meme itself doesn't quite make money it still requires all of the infrastructure that makes money for it to work right mm. well i think that another hallmark of pop culture actually is um the way that it ingrains itself into the mm. i guess the cultural history of a community mm. um so now i mean we'll talk memes someone could just see an image of the rock looking over his shoulder you know in a car <laughs> and people just instantly remember all these memes you know right uh it, it there's an it's, it's like when you quote a famous movie you know um mm. yeah there, there's an element of pop culture yeah <laughs> 
Um, well, actually, it's they've funny. got a new movie, a show on that coming out, don't they? Yeah, that looks it's an updated version, but getting old actors to reprise their own characters is always a yes, <laughs> yes. The Expendables, here we go again. Um, yes, I, I was looking at an old uh, meme recently and it had not happy Jan in it. And for those of you who are old enough, you'll remember the meme of, of the Telstra. Uh, even it's advertising a product which is long since gone. It was the yellow pages, I think. But the whole yeah, not happy yeah. Jan was so. Mm iconic and daggy that it really hit and the whole not happy jan meme took off when memes were even first around so mm. yeah mm. what about um we've talked about music but i wanted to say I don't, i'm not sure there is one popular category of music anymore there's certain music which is used for clubs there's certain music for for different kinds of um people there's almost subcultures around subcultures so we have mm. You know, I'm sometimes I listen to the metal culture, then there's classical music, and then there's all kinds of subcultures around rap and uh, different kinds of hip hop. There's even the East and West Coast rap. You know, there's the kind of quite strong rivalries between them. Is it pop culture anymore if it's so divided into subcultures? I think pop culture now essentially is a whole network of subcultures. Um, the It's popular. Um, only within a particular group. We now have groups that are very self-referential now, and they need not necessarily be this um, mass market um, that we grew up with in the 80s and 90s. Right. By the time you start getting into the 90s, you're already starting to see this breakdown of, uh, of mass market, um, you know, mass marketed culture, so to speak. Yeah. Right? It is still marketed culture, it's just oh, yes. now mm. uh, more catered to a much narrower, more focused market. So one of the it's interesting very targeted things, market, isn't that's it? right. So one of the things about um, pop culture now is that um, you know, as you say, they they cater for a mass market, but they are much more tightly defined. Right. Because mm. um, everyone was talking um, online, and some other a lot of my friends were talking about the Tiger King when the COVID things first started. Right. <laughs> Everyone was ranting about this. Now, I took one look at the cover of, like, on Netflix and said, there's just simply no way I'm watching this rubbish um, and, mm. and just totally ignored it. But I missed out on a whole range of references and and comments and, and memes and things that were going around because I didn't participate in the mass culture yeah. thing. Um, it's it's, it's it, Just to backtrack a little bit and to, to add on to that, um, I mean – I remember in the early 2000s, and it's something that's prevalent now, the term fandom really came about. And it's come to the point where people now name the fandom. So people that like Lord of the Rings, the nickname for that is Ringers, you know. Oh, um, dear. <laughs> and then there's the Trekkies and all that that, you know, have been known about for a while. But uh, building into that, a lot of these fandoms now, uh, let's say something as big as Great Game of Thrones, um, I never really got into it. I think I watched one or two episodes and I stopped watching after that. And uh, there's there's this, I guess, the way in which those fans relate to people outside of the fandom. Yes. Um, and it's not necessarily related to the content either because I've read, I read no. all of George um, R.R. R. Martin's books and then mm. watched the first episode and hated it. I hated the TV mm. adaption and I've hated everything I've seen of it and I've only seen occasional episodes. But because I think it's a totally different thing, and I can't join most of the the chit chat, the memedom, because it's a whole other experience to watch the show mm. 
than it is. And the and mannerisms, and that's what I hated about it, by the way. He didn't capture the film didn't capture the mannerisms, the 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 characters in in a way that was faithful to the books. Mm. And so you miss all that. And and it's not just about the stories, because I'm I love Lord of the Rings, but I, I'm not so fussed about the movies. And so I miss a lot of the memes and all of the things. It's it's actually kind of saying it's kind of saying something about what pop culture is um, is also doing, right? I mean, in a way, we used to think of pop culture as simply uh, little bits and pieces of um, you know our lives uh, put into something that we just watch for a second and then set aside and then just forget that it's there. Now it's sort of become something else. It's become the creation of a, a self-referential world. Um, mm. And you're either one of those that belongs in that world, or, you know, like you're one of, you're, you're part of the fandom, or you're not. Mm. Um, and that's that's an interesting thing that we used to have a, a, a like a common history. Like there'd be things we all did, like we all mm. went to the, the movies or we went to, the football or we went to you know a local dance or whatever it was and now i'm i'm guessing because i never i'm not old enough to have gone to the local dance down the, down the local town hall but but the whole you know the local culture gave way to a more like a global culture through mass mm. media and we simply don't the only shared common experience we have is that mass media and the, and the way we access yeah. it well there's something that's been happening actually uh in terms of th- those fandoms and the way that crea- uh, creators are now influenced by their fandoms. So in the early 2000s, there was a game released called Mass Effect 3. Now, Mass Effect is a series that was well known because there were several endings and whatever you chose and whatever ending you got uh, managed to carry on onto the next game. Now, Mass Effect 3 uh, was really out there in the media because of the fact that um, the ending was very unpopular. While you had so <laughs> many so many ends that your character could have, at the end of the third game, there was maybe only one of three endings right. after all that. And so what happened was there was a huge fan outcry and then the company decided to release more endings. <laughs> right. And and I think for me, that's that's the first case that I've, uh, that I've known of where you start having creators be influenced by their fans. And that's why I jokingly say to a lot of people that I think George R. R. Martin was using the TV show as a testing ground to see where he should take his novels. Um, <laughs> <laughs> because of the fact that I think there's a lot of creators now that go against what they initially want to make because they want to fit into their fandom. They want to feed that. Um mm. So they, Which are they, is interesting. If they want to be pop culture, they have to keep the popularity going. Yeah, which I think is it's it's not so faithful necessarily to to their own vision. Mm. Um, I can't imagine someone returning a book and demanding a writer rewrite the book um, <laughs> because they didn't like the ending. Well, I mean, some people have have um, written things. I mean, t- didn't Tolkien? In one of his introductions to the Lord of the Rings, he says something like, "People have been asking me for more about hobbits." Um, yeah, and so even he responded, if you like, to fans' request. But the question is, how discerning are the fans? Because if you're just, I mean, we often think of popular as a kind of a sellout, you know, as if it's a mm. denial of the artistic quality. But fans are becoming so specialized. I think Matthew mentioned before that fans are so specialized into these niche markets 
that there they are in some ways quite discerning within their genre and they get quite offended if you mess with the formula for their genre that's true that's true uh, box could i just um touch upon something that you um touched uh, that you uh, hinted at it with, with with mass effect i mean one yeah. of the reasons for the outcry in the mass effect 3 um saga was partly because mass effect worked on the premise that your choices mattered and yeah. all of a sudden the hidden message in mass effect 3 was that at the end of the day your choices do not matter there's a kind of moral component to it and yeah. you know which i think the um the the the, the fan base was kind of um, relying upon in order mm. to keep the series popular um yeah. uh, one of the things that that kind of what that hints to me is that when we talk about pop culture, we're not just simply talking about products that we consume. It's not like a cup of coffee that we just sort of consume and set aside. It's actually something that's formative. Um, we are mm -hmm. finding Now, hang on a second. Have you ever been to a decent coffee shop and chosen between <laughs> coffees? Obviously. <laughs> that's this life changing. Uh, <laughs> we, we can't all come from Melbourne, Peter. Oh, oh, that's harsh. <laughs> right, it's been 20 years since I lived in Melbourne, Matthew. And I'm, still, I'm still finding places in Sydney that sell decent coffee. You, you, you um, clearly have not tried Singaporean coffee. Um, ah, well, tell, tell me more. Now I have a pop culture reference. When we when we talk about pop culture, we're not simply talking about just things that we watch or or, or things that we listen to or, or games that we mm. play. We actually are talking about... Um, uh, a very uh, potent source of formation for a lot of people, right? People found yeah. a lot of meaning uh, for their own lives by playing these games uh, or listening to this music, watching this movie, and so on. Mm -hmm. So um, there's, there's another element uh, to pop culture uh, that explains why pop culture is popular. It's popular because it has a kind of transporting effect we want to transport ourselves into this world um that uh mm. the various products of pop culture uh, are, are providing for us it's an invitation into a particular world also it's where the culture bleeds into regular conversation too mm. so for mm. example um one of the things uh, uh game of thrones sort of brings to people is, is sayings like so people say you know nothing um the the kind of meme that comes out of it it's not just a meme it's a saying you can i'm trying to think of other sayings like arnold schwarzenegger back in you know, i'll be back the you know get to the chopper all of these things come from particular <laughs> moments in movies and the movies weren't that mm. flash i mean terminator 2 was pretty good but the the other one was pretty average and the, the but the sayings have stuck you know and the, I, i'm mm -hmm. now my mind's going blank but there's lots and lots of phrases we use which have come out of particular movies or particular games or particular scenes. There's a there's a thing on the internet, Keck, K-E-K, mm. um, which is a, a laughing um, emote, mm. uh, but it comes from a game called World of Warcraft where if you're in one faction and you type LOL, it comes out K-E-K to the other faction. And, and so there's uh -huh. that, it's... It's a double meme within a meme. So it's basically saying, I'm laughing, but you don't understand me. So the mm. Keck 
meme is a kind of a, it, and it's all from within that game, but it's bled out into regular culture and people are using mm, it who yeah. don't understand where it's come from. There's there's a quote that's used a lot now, which is, uh, you had one job. Um, and as far as I can tell, that that's actually originated from the show Friends, uh, <laughs> a quote that Monica said a lot. Yep. I mean, it's used all over the place now. Yeah, and not a lot of people know where it comes from anymore. Right, yes. Or well, even you can't and handle some, the truth. That's right, yeah. you can't <laughs> handle the truth. But even sometimes there's some... Um, there's memes that come from things like that. Like the the there was a I think it was a Mastercard ad originally where it said you know this much you know pair, pair of jeans ten bucks you know pair of jeans, looking great priceless the whole idea of that. And now mm. that there's a whole series of memes that have come out of that as well. Mm. Um, you wonder about the pop culture though whether it has to be popular for everyone. Um, Matthew, we're talking before we came on air about anime, and that yep. is like defining within a world of people who watch anime or even understand it. But can you give me some examples of where that world is bled into regular culture? Well, one of the um, clearest manifestations of that is the cosplay subculture. Um, mm. I remember when I was a commuter um, going in, you know, into a particular uh, uh, major intersection, excuse me, in, in the inner West, and on a, any given weekend, it would stop at, I think it was Strathfield Station. Yeah, it would. It would stop at Strathfield Station pretty much. I think it was on the way to, to Homebush. And you would see, you know, sometimes the uh, a, a cosplayer standing on the platform, kind of fiddling on their phones, waiting um, for- You better explain to our audience what a cosplayer is, Matthew. A, a cosplayer is a, uh, is a subculture whereby a person dresses as their favorite character in an anime series or an, a Japanese animated game. So there are situations where you do see the odd, um, uh, you know, the odd cosplayer on, uh, you know, something as mundane as a train platform. It's bled into regular culture, though. So, for example, right. when I- when I went to a to a launch of a computer game once, there were like the almost the entire line was dressed up as characters from the computer game mm. um, as they were waiting to buy the computer game. That's right. Uh, mm. There are subtler um, uh, instances of this as well. I mean, you've got the the very uh, common experience of having uh, you know Super Mario Brother themed T shirts, for instance. Or I remember. Yeah. Um, Seeing somebody in a Pikachu hat. Um, <laughs> uh, see, I I have a very my own cosplay story, and it's the first and only time I've ever done it. Um, you, I went to an event here. over. Just saying. <laughs> I went to an event in the UNSW, uh, dressed as this prince, and he wears tights. And so I, I wore this cape to cover up. Um, and the one moment where the wind blew the cape away, we just happened to be walking in front of the uh, the gym. <laughs> and all the people in the gym turned around to see this skinny little guy <laughs> in tights walking past. <laughs> oh, that could lead to several it's, misunderstandings. The, um... That was the last time I did it. Yeah. <laughs> it is also being immortalized in this episode. <laughs> well, oh you, my gosh! Yes, <laughs> I mean, but way, way, way back um, when I was before I was even dating anybody, um, and, and you will understand why I wasn't dating anyone. I was I did some live role playing, which is called now called LARP, a live action role playing where you dress, you know, not this magical fantasy sort of thing where you roll dice and hit things. You actually dress up and hold swords, which are blunted, obviously, and armor, and hit each other with these swords and run around and try and achieve 
goals. Now, that was around long before the anime dress-ups. It's just that, and I'm what I'm trying to get at is the difference seems to be when it translates into popular culture. I mean, mm-hmm. our kids now have book parades where they all dress up as their favourite uh, character in the books, and this seems to have been a bleed from the you know the the original cosplay idea the the whole dressing up as your favorite character kind of thing um seems to have become much more popular um mm. in in general around the place because it's a fun thing to do and when you you know when people are getting into something and it's fun and and they don't mock you for being a geek then it's actually not a you know it's a bit of harmless fun it's not just um you know playing dress ups lapping actually did make a very brief comeback uh uh, a very mm. short time ago, a few years back, and then it just died to death, um, almost as you know, almost as quickly as it appeared. Um, one, what that kind of says about pop culture is that there's also a certain temporality to it, temporariness yeah. rather. Um, it just kind of comes and goes and disappears, but then it reappears again at some random moment. Kind of like flared jeans, you know, just pops up every twenty years or so, and suddenly they're, you know, <laughs> they're popular again. Mm. But it seems to try to look for its own continuity in that, you know, when, when Lord of the Rings finished, people were, um, and, and then and then uh, Game of Thrones came up, people were, were then making the similarities there saying, this is the new Lord of the Rings. And then when mm-hmm. Game of Thrones finished, people looked at The Witcher saying, hey, this is the new Game of Thrones. So there's this like lineage that, that people were just looking for a similar thing to carry on to. The Witch is an interesting example there. Um, for those who don't know, it's a it's a TV series, very much an adult TV series, but it's um, based on a computer game character, which I think which one did the book come first? It's it's it, the book came first. It was written in like the eighties and nineties. I think so. The books were written. They had a TV, sorry, a, a computer game based on it. I think we're up to The Witcher three now, and then a TV yeah. series with Henry Cavill, who you know, Superman goes some. Um, Goes adult. He's actually bigger in this show than he was as Superman. Yeah, it's, it's, it's incredible. Huge. Look, it's a lot. It's very, as I said, it's not. It's not for kids, um, the show, mm. but it's actually very well done. And it's what interesting to see that develop. And that it, I'm watching people suddenly get more as it becomes popular. People getting into Witcher stuff, you know, whereas before it was very much a tiny subculture of people. Well, you were talking before about how the pop culture feeds into. Um, regular culture, uh, Andrei Sapkowski, who actually wrote the books, he's, he is, I think, considered a national hero now in Poland. His books are, because they use a lot of that folklore that they had, um, it is so big in Poland, which is where, you know, it all is sourced from, that when, apparently when Obama visited there, the president or um, actually gave him, him a copy of the video game as part of the gift um, because the story is so treasured in Poland. I'm just wondering what video game would be given to visitors to Australia. I'm not not sure. (laughs) It wouldn't be anywhere near as good as The Witcher. (laughs) So, um, Well, let's move away from video games because our listeners who aren't into video games are probably a little bit bored Mm. at this stage. Um, What do we do with, like, music is very much pop culture, but what about movies um, and how it influences daily life? Well, the... um I think the the idea of that moral universe is is actually still a relevant theme there. You know, going from uh, the moral universe of of video games to the moral universe of movies. Movies provide a very uh, very short uh, version of a moral universe, 
uh, a kind of trajectory for uh, where one's one person's life can go. Um, so I think in that uh, respect, there is a, a part to play. There's also a little bit of uh, uh, there's also a little bit of pushing the boundaries as well the, of plausibility. Mm. Right, we we kind of go to movies as an escape from mundane life. Um, that's why we go to Disney movies. That's why we watch um, movies that you know involve vampires and zombies and superheroes. Superheroes. We want to escape normal life. We want to push the uh, the boundaries of what is um, ordinary life for us. And especially now, as as the real life is basically it sucks at the moment. Um, mm. <laughs> there's, there's not much going on, and so accessing <laughs> media is one way of kind of escaping that world into mm. something different. What I've noticed is that more, more and more people are going into series because it lasts longer. Yeah. You can follow mm. characters longer. A character can, and the positive side of that is you can develop a character a longer, a longer timeline, and you can enjoy them more. I've always preferred book series, which go like the ten book series and all those ones, because mm. you can follow a character. I'm currently watching um, um, a an anime series um, called Naoki Kurosawa's Monster. And that is a, a series that goes on for seventy four episodes, um, and basically, <laughs> and basically, it all starts with a murder, which then fans out into many, many different murders. But it also, uh, as you say, um, leads to a whole uh, uh, trajectory where you, a character can develop, but also the 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 world expands uh, in a way that is that you just cannot do. Uh, with a movie. What's interesting, I mean, I love series because they're able to uh, really expand characterization and, and build depth. That was one of the failings that they had with the um, the last Airbender movie. They they tried to shove, uh, you know, a whole season of, of cartoon episodes mm. into a one, two-hour movie or something, and it just didn't work. I thought the Dragon same Ball about the Harry- did the same thing. Yeah, but also yeah. Harry Potter, I think, did the same thing. The, the movies tried to put... The, the Potter books were very much the cycle of school life, like the weekly cycle of life mm. and the, the weekly mm. Kidditch game and all of those kinds of things. And the movies tried to shove them all into the one experience. Mm. And, the, and, the little, and you, you miss what you can't do in a movie is you miss the cycle of time. You miss the, 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 mm. the kind of ordinary tick, if you like, of life's clock going through the character's life. And it, it takes away some of the realism. It makes it all into the one intense kind of experience instead of, which is fun, you know, if you want an intense sort of movie occasionally, but you don't, if you're trying to follow a, a life or a story, you want the time ticking out. Um, mind you, when a movie tries to do that and it, it just drags forever. So you need a series, an episodal kind of uh, look at things. I, I wonder though um, about the soundtrack, the musical soundtrack side of the pop culture. We still refer to songs. We still refer to types of songs uh, and types of music as a kind of a backdrop to certain aspects of our life. Um, you, yeah. you, you know, you, you get certain, like, directors will go for certain kinds of music in their show. Like, so there's some very out of, I'm just trying to think of out of sync shows. Like, there, there was one called A Knight's Tale, which was a medieval kind of, yeah. Sort of Knights yeah. movie, but it had <laughs> lots of modern music in it. And yeah. it, it really worked in that movie, I think. Um, my kids don't think it worked. Well, I mean, I guess a great example for in this would be the Guardians of the Galaxy soundtrack, um, yes. one and two. But that um, blended in quite well, though. 
Yeah, that, the yeah, that's book. what I mean. The great example because the fact that you can listen to the music now. I, I, whenever I listen to the albums, I imagine the scenes all over again. <laughs> the other thing too is that soundtracks to movies and games have actually um, become such a, a, a major um, cultural product that people can actually forge careers simply by making soundtracks for um, mm. movies and games. Yeah. In fact, they can they can forge careers doing voice acting, um, mm -hmm. even just sounds like creating sounds for movies for for, for video games. And some of the um, the voice acting world is so big that there's a bunch of voice actors who actually got together and and video stream themselves role playing, and that itself has become a massive pop culture hit, like a, a, a subculture hit. Um, Critical Role is a show which is watched. How many seasons is it up to now, Box? Well, they're up to the second campaign and they've just reached episode 101 of campaign two. <laughs> and these episodes and campaign one got 115 episodes and that was missing two years that they played before they went online. So, <laughs> and, yeah. and how long are the episodes? Because they're... Oh, look, they're about four to five hours each. Four to five um, hours and there's hundreds yeah. of episodes. That's an immense amount of dedication. They're, that... They're not just playing to an audience of four. They've got massive audience, and so they've got their own line of uh, of clothes and toys <laughs> and things like that too. So it's fantastic. We, we it's an amazing money. We are. You know, yes, we are. Well, the question is the chicken and egg one. There, I mean, money will follow wherever you've got an audience. So if you've mm -hmm. got a decent audience, they'll monetize it. But whether or not there was money in it, I mean, no one would have sat down. I'm sure. And said, what we need is people, a, a video streaming thing of people's faces who no one's ever seen, they only yeah. know their voices, uh, playing a game yeah. that almost nobody plays. <laughs> yeah. I mean, when before Critical Role even got onto the uh, on YouTube, they were just playing privately in someone's house and then sharing snippets of it on on their own Twitter accounts. So I don't think really money was an op, uh, you know, was up there as, <laughs> but as an of, option. Of first. course they. Uh, monetize one of the things that yeah um, definitely has been done very successfully and uh, uh, it's worth bringing up is a there's a a bunch of uh, two guys who got together and made a very satirical uh, comic strip called Penny Arcade um, oh yes and they wrote they wrote this comic and it and they were just doing it themselves as a hobby and then it exploded in terms of its popularity and then it's now it's become a company in itself and they put on mm. um, what's the conference called box. Conventions at PAX, PAX, yeah, P A X, Penny PAX. Arcade Expo, yeah, and it's just for gamers. So they all over the world. Yeah. Well, mostly in America and one in Australia, but huge conventions of, of just gamers, and it's just built for gamers. Now, of course, there's money in it, but it's not a company selling their game. It's just gamers saying, "Hey, we're all interested in this stuff. Why don't you come and bring your money and bring your games and entertain us?" So it's a, it's reversed. The what interests me about that is that often you'll have a a Blizzard or a Microsoft or some like a conference where they'll show off their games and other people turn up. This one is the gamers showing up and saying, "Here's a bunch of gamers, come and come and play your wares." You know, well, talking about that and and what we were talking about before about subcultures. There's been a rise in the subculture of board games again yes, recently, and a right. lot of new games being made that are a minimum of four hours long yes. for, for a game, even, you know, and, and those games were, yeah. Even old classics really are being resurrected. I've just bought the expansion yeah. pack for Settlers of Catan to, so we can play it with <laughs> six players instead of four. And it's Settlers is, is nice. a pretty fun, intense game. And we've got the 
Knights and Cities expansions and all these kinds of things. But you go online and look for – I did a Google because we lost a piece, one of the pieces, and I, I just uh-huh. still look for a replacement piece. I Googled, you know, Settlers of Gatan replacement pieces. There are people who've set up entire 3D printing labs just yeah, to just cope to with them. people wanting extra pieces for games, <laughs> including Settlers yeah. And they're making a living out of sending all these game pieces out physically. I think that's fantastic, by the way. Uh, computer games are great, but I think it's fantastic to sit around a table with people over a couple mm. of hours and just work through a good um, game. Mm. I remember I had this copy of this uh, old board game called Hero Quest um, from years ago. <laughs> And I've lost it, but I went online the other day looking for a copy. No one sells the copies anymore, but there are lots of studios or places that sell the pieces for Hero <laughs> Quest. Yeah. There's so a, just what you were saying. It makes it sound like an archaeological yeah. dig. Yes, it is. Yeah. Well, there's a place in Perth that actually pulls together. They buy all the old games they find in all the, the garage sales and everything, and they pull together out-of-print games and like put them all oh, the wow. good pieces together oh, wow. again. So, yeah, I picked up a whole bunch of games from my childhood. Um you know, stock market, poll economy, these sorts of games that, um, yeah. to help the kids because they're incredibly uh, complex in terms of calculations. You have to buy stock market, you know, stocks at this price and then buy, you know, sell them at that price. Um, I notice that you're avoiding Monopoly, Peter. Yeah, I don't and like risk. Monopoly. <laughs> I don't. No, we've got risk. We actually have risk and we play a lot of risk, but Monopoly, I dislike. Risk, you're at least honest about the fact that you want to crush your enemies and smash them into the English <laughs> Monopoly, you kind of grind them down with this. It's too real. Watch Monopoly them is way too close to real, to real life to me to enjoy it. I, I, the, the quote comes to mind from Arnold in, um, in Conan. What is good in life? Oh, what is a good life? <laughs> I can't remember the quote though. It's, I'm not going to say it. It's an awful quote. It's like to, to hear the, the the death of your enemies and the lamentation of the women or something like that. It's awful. It's awful with, with the whole monopoly thing though, no. the way you describe it just reminds me of that. Oh, it's just a miserable grinding down of people using very like it's rent. Rent is your weapon. It's just no, no. It's too close to home. All I remember from Risk was trying to conquer the world was hiding in Australia. Yes. <laughs> Australia is the key. If you if you can yeah. if you can take Papua New Guinea and you basically just hold that, no one else can get you and you've got the extras. Anyway, we're probably getting to the, the limits of this discussion on pop culture. We haven't really plumbed the depths, but that's enough for this week's podcast. If today's discussion got you thinking or you think we've missed a whole category of pop culture and you're arguing with us, on your podcast device, let us know. You can subscribe at thiscatholiclife.com.au or via Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, or Discord or any of the other social medias. Write us a review on iTunes and let everyone know about the podcast. Remember that this is a uniquely Australian podcast and we think that's an idea worth getting behind, so tell your friends. Before we go, it's time for a shout-out. So, Box, over to you. Uh, talking about board games, I want to shout out to those two groups of friends that I've got that I play board games with. Uh, it's been a lot of fun, especially especially knowing that we got uh, a lot more board games to play once we get back. Matthew. On a similar theme, I want to do a shout out to German board game makers because they create <laughs> wonderful games that can be um, pl- uh, played, enjoyed by all, and be finished in less than an hour. <laughs> less than an hour. <laughs> nice. Less than an hour. Oh, dear. I just want to shout out to all those people who are um, consuming pop culture and dabbling your toes in this weird and wonderful world. Don't be scared of it, but also, it's not life. It it contributes to life. It's not life. (laughs) Get out and talk to people. 
talk to I, them over a board game, talk to them about I've been things, doing it wrong. analyze it, <laughs> and actually think about what you're consuming. Think about the elements of it. I'm, think, I'm sure you'd agree with that, Matthew. Um, shout out to all of you guys. That's all for now. Thank you for listening to This Catholic Life. <laughs>